What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, it's crossover time with Sully Baseball of Locked On MOB, discussing the tight NL wildcard race, the teams that are struggling, who can rise their way to the top, and of course, we got to get a little D-backs talking there as well, all on today's Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. You are Locked On Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB with a Locked On Diamondbacks crossover for the 24th day of July, 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for over a decade now. And this is my fifth season here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. And not just on this show, this whole week, I'm going to be doing guest spots for Lockdown Rockies as well. Not as a guest, but as a host. So if you like your pal Sully and your earbuds... Also subscribe to Locked on Rockies. We're having a lot of fun over there. But this is not a Locked on Rockies crossover. This is a Locked on Diamondbacks crossover. And right over there is my weekly partner, Mystery Guest. Sign in, please. Yeah, Miller Thomas here checking in, host of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, my personal account, at CreatorThomas24. Follow the show account, Locked on Diamondbacks, both Twitter and Instagram. And please hit subscribe to both our YouTube channels, Locked on Diamondbacks and Locked on MLB on YouTube. All right. And, hey, by the way, um, we have on uh, uh, the, the trivia question, from the other day, uh, we had we have ourselves a a correct answer. Um, the question was, who was the only person to win an American League batting title? And in the year where they won the batting title, they did not hit a home run that whole season. Now we had someone who Scott Campbell had a great answer to it. It was wrong. But he had a great answer to it. He thought it was Willie McGee who actually won the National League batting title that year, but finished the year on the American League with the A's and didn't hit a home run for the A's. So he thought that I was trying to play a little uh, a little bit of a three-card Monty with the mm. question. He said, nope, that was a great – that's some good knowledge there. But the fact of the matter is he – uh, he did hit home runs while winning the batting title for the Cardinals that year. The answer is Rod Carew. Whoa. Rod Carew won the batting title, one of his many batting titles that he won. And uh, I believe it was the 1973 one. He did not hit a home run all year long. Uh, by the way, a friend of the podcast, Gar Reness, who was actually the first ever guest I ever had on the old Sully Baseball podcast. He's better known as batting stance guy where he has an amazing set of videos where he mi perfectly mimics people's batting stances. He, he appeared on David Letterman doing that. He's invited. He's been invited to major league uh, clubhouses where you, there's videos of him imitating the different batting stances, much to, and the like uproarious laughter uh, of the other players as he's spot on. He, he says it's the least marketable skill he's ever seen. And he's a, <laughs> uh, he's a buddy of mine. We, we watch world series games together and when he was on Letterman, I may post this clip on uh, Sully Baseball. He was on Letterman when Letterman, who, of course, is a huge baseball fan, would be yelling out specific players 
most of them were stars from the 70s and 80s, like do Joe Morgan, do Willie Stargell. And when he did his Rod Carew, he said Rod Carew was so relaxed when he was at the plate. He said it's believed that a couple of times he actually fell asleep while he was at bat to sort of just not waking up and just holds the bat so gently. But when I was a kid, I know Rod Carew is before your time. A little bit. Uh, I did a uh, – there was one year, it was 2017, I did a baseball card of the day every day on the old Sully Baseball um, blog. And I posted the card of the back-to-back years of the first two years I really collected baseball cards. You had um, uh, Rod Carew and Dave Parker were the batting champions. The first year I collected baseball cards – and the second year I collected baseball cards. So it said batting champions, Rod Crew, Dave Parker. Next year, Rod Crew, Rod Crew, batting champions, Rod Crew, Dave Parker. And I just assumed, well, that's what happens every year. Mm-hmm. That, that had nothing, it almost had nothing to do with their accomplishments. That that's their title. They're the batting champion. Just like the first two years, the home run kings of the National League was George Foster and Jim Rice in the American League. Next year, same two. So I'm like, well, I guess that's how it is. Every year. Rod Crew leads the league in hitting, and Jim Rice leads the league in home runs, and Dave Parker and and George Foster. Little did I know. But anyway, that's a little Rod Crew, and that's what the answer to that is. We're going to have another trivia question, which, by the way, is the same trivia question I po- posted on Locked on Rockies. So I'm going to see if people on Locked on MLB or Locked on Rockies gets my upcoming trivia question down. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, wild card races. Hey, uh, Millard, you follow the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. for the wonderful Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let me ask you a loaded question, shall oh. I? Yes, sir. How do you think the Rockies have done recently? <laughs> okay. The Colorado Rockies, I'm not going to lie to you. I, they're not a team I'm checking on too often when it comes to the standings. I'm looking at the uh, NL wildcard race right now. The Rockies are sitting a dead last in that standing race. But they've also not lost a series since the All-Star break, and they've done nothing but play contenders. In other words, the Rockies are the king of the upsetters, which brings us to the Diamondbacks. The yeah. Diamondbacks are currently a playoff team. How yeah. are they doing? Uh, it doesn't feel like they might be a playoff team for long silly baseball because they've been struggling since about mid-June here. Yeah, but here's the deal. Though the Diamondbacks just got swept. All right? Don't remind they, me. They're on a four-game losing streak. They've lost eight of their last ten games. But Not guess good. what? The Giants have been awful, too. Mm-hmm. The Giants got swept by the Nationals. They got smacked around. They got taken to the woodshed. And not only that, but the the Marlins won an extra inning game in the bottom of the 10th today only because Bud Black fell asleep like Rod Carew during the middle of an at-bat and managed the 10th inning as badly as he could. But before that, the Marlins had been, excuse me, the Marlins had been, as I knocked my headset around, on an eight-game losing streak. And not to be outdone, the Philadelphia Phillies, who did manage to pull off an extra inning win to the uh, against Cleveland today, but they've been on a disastrous losing streak. Nobody wants to win. Do you know who the team with the top the top wild card team is as of this recording? Do you know yeah, who it is? I do, unfortunately, because they swept my team this week. The Reds, yeah. who a week ago were on the outside looking in. And now they'd have home field advantage. Now, granted, one game in the loss column 
separates first place. And when I say when I say first place, I mean in the wild card. First place Cincinnati and uh, fifth place Miami. One game in the loss column separates Cincinnati, Arizona, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Miami. And here's the weird part. Only four games in the loss column behind them are the freaking Cubs who are selling. Now, no, you just smirked because, yeah, they're not going to win anything. But what if all these other teams are on a free fall? Then you're like, holy Toledo. It may open the door for one of these teams. Tell, what's, go, for, what's going on with the D-backs and what's going on with all these teams that don't seem to want to be part of the wild card chase? I don't know. I mean, at least for the D-backs, I got such tunnel vision on that team. I know they've just been terrible against these at least 500 or better teams since mid-June. But because I watch the D-backs every day, it just feels like my world is falling apart. But you did help me out here, Solid Baseball, putting it into perspective that it's not just the D-backs are struggling. It's everyone in that NL wildcard race. And so that helps me a little bit with knowing that the season's still long and the D-backs are going to be in the thick of the race. And I actually want to see, like, it's kind of more fun that all these teams are struggling together because you – your team loses, you feel demoralized, but then you look at the standings and you're like, oh, nothing has changed. So you yeah. can still keep the same kind of positive attitude they might have had, you know, a couple of weeks ago. But I'm really just curious to see how these teams are going to approach the deadline because all these teams are right in the mix, but no one exactly is pulling themselves away right now. So how do these front offices you know, evaluate their own clubs and say, you know what, this team is good enough to make a deep postseason run. Let's add a couple more pieces, or you're going to be like the Miami Marlins. We're like, we're going to try to get in there naturally, but we're not going to be sellers. We're not going to be buyers. We're just going to stand pat and just let this season play out. I want to see what's going to happen. You mentioned the Cubs. I still think they're going to be big sellers, but in a week and a half, if they're still like three game, if they're like three and a half out, like I, I don't know what they're going to do. Like this NL wildcard race is going to be fascinating as we approach the deadline. Yeah, and I, we're going to talk a little bit more about that because I have some I have some real thoughts about some of the teams that are in free fall that could really help uh, help themselves at the deadline, and two teams who must be looking at this free fall and smacking themselves right in the head. But first, but first, I need to talk to our listeners about this little app called Sleeper, because do you think Corbin Carroll or Jordan Alvarez, I guess he's hurt right now. How about Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Do you think those guys could hit a home run tonight? Well, if you do, you should go to a Sleeper, because right now they're doing 100 times payouts. You can choose two or more players. You can select up to eight guys. You can choose stat categories as well, like home runs, strikeouts, hit, and more. And if you get your picks right, you can win. Big Sleeper is a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users. Sully Baseball, if you're looking at the YouTube video, has it up on his screen right now. It's great for daily fantasy baseball. And the reason why I love Sleeper personally is because when that football season rolls around, I do a dynasty league on the Sleeper app. It keeps track of all your players. Look at that. You can see Yoshida right now on the Sleeper app on Sully Baseball screen. Such an easy platform to use. I absolutely love it. So, so easy, so yeah. easy. Even Sully can use it. Even Sully can use it. And that man, I don't know if you guys know this, but Sully's over 50 years old. So they get a little techni technologically, yeah. you know. Back in my day, we prayed to yeah. Stradamanic while eating a rotisserie chicken. 
Yeah, Sully used to play games on the typewriter. So now that we got the sleeper app, Sully can take his gaming to the next level. So use promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Ty Cobb will get two hits. Walter Johnson will strike out five. That was how I started doing uh, the uh, fantasy baseball. Cy Young will get to eight innings. Stop. Christy Mathewson will strike out ten. Stop. I can't even imagine doing fantasy baseball in the 90s and, like, having to mail each other, like, fantasy. That's one of the reasons why I didn't do it. Like, so so many people try to get me into fantasy, and it was just, like, I have to, you know, go to the, here we go. Oh, boy, I got my picks here. I'm going to take, I can't wait to get them in. Oh, cripes, cripes. I hope I get Kirby Puckett on my team today. I hope he gets a hit. And then you, then they would get it back and be typed out like a mimeograph. Like, there, you know, it would just be like one of those letters you got back from the War Department in uh, uh, during World War II. By the way, saw Oppenheimer. Oh, I'm waiting. I, it's so like hard to see. Like every seat is filled for like the next week. I'm trying to yeah. wait for like that 70 millimeter IMAX. Would you I, go to see it? Uh, I saw. I didn't see it 70 millimeter. I wanted to go see it this weekend. All the best jokes are in the trailer. I mean, if, if you're looking for it to be really funny, like all the funny parts are in the trailer. Okay. So. Just serious, just, just serious and, and gritty. Oh yeah, it yeah. Does, yeah, it's uh, uh <laughs> it's it's very good. Surprising, Christopher Nolan made a good movie. But uh, yeah, it's intense. No it's double intense. feature for you with Barbie. No Barbenheimer. I almost, I almost had to see Barbie afterwards just yeah. to sort of relax a little bit. But instead, I watched baseball. And let's get back to that. Oh, um, I'll tell you two teams that must be looking at this free fall from the National League wild card with absolute agony have to be the Padres and the Mets. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about. The star power that they put together, the the fact that they're two of the three highest payrolls in baseball, if you had told them that there would be a bunch of upstart teams, that suddenly those carriages are turning into pumpkins right around the trade deadline, and like, look at a lot of people were picking the Mets and San Diego to win the division. I think I picked San Diego to win the division. I was duped. Me I know too. I I picked it. I know I picked Atlanta to win the division, but I do believe I flipped the coin. I thought it was going to be that close. Um, You're looking at these teams like San Francisco, your boys. um, You're looking at, you know, Cincinnati who went on a huge slump until recently. You're looking at the slump that, uh, you know, Philadelphia went on, that Miami went on. I mean, if the, all the, all the Mets and the Padres had to do, was be around 500 right around now. They would be in an absolute phenomenal position to add to the team and punch their cards and get and get into the playoffs and, and take their chances. You know, I know both teams had visions of winning a pennant dancing in their head, but, you know, you don't put together a star-studded team like they had and think, oh, cripes, I hope we're the visiting wildcard team. But you take that now, 
but now they can't, they're not even, I mean, as of this, I mean, we, full disclosure, we're recording this before the, uh, the Mets Red Sox game. So you people listening in the future, uh, you know, you know what happened in that game, but you know, even if the, the Mets win that game 20 to nothing and it's a perfect game, they'll still be sub 500. They'll still be five games under five games under 500 best case scenarios are going into this week, six and a half games out. I'm sorry. I don't care what free fall people are in front of you. It's tough to make up six and a half games. Sully and I will continue that conversation, but don't forget you can catch every D backs pitch on their hometown broadcast. When you download the Sirius XM app and search up diamondbacks. It's tough, but if we think a team like the Chicago Cubs at five and a half games is still in the race, then we got to believe a team like the Padres with that, 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 that quartet that they have in their lineup. Uh, maybe the New York Mets, I feel a little bit more, uh, I feel less optimistic about just because their pitchers are just so old and they're starting to look like they might be hitting a little bit of the decline a little bit. But the Padres have real talent still in their prime that I think can, you can still convince yourself in the second half. They still have upside. There's still upward trajectory there with the Padres. I don't feel the same way about the New York Mets, but Hey, if we check back in a day before the deadline and the Padres are like three and a half back, I find yeah. it hard. A guy like AJ Preller, who's been super aggressive, doesn't try to make moves. Now, maybe that's selling off some pieces because there's been some rumors that a guy like Blake Snell, who's an impending free agent, who's having a fantastic season could be moved. Or a guy like Josh Hader, who's also impending free agent could be moved. Like both of those teams are the perfect teams to go and pick off pieces if you're trying to make a deep postseason run. Like, you got your Verlanders and the Scherzers in the in the Mets rotation. You got pieces like the Blake Snell and the Padres rotation. But how do those teams, the Padres and Mets, feel about selling? After spending all this money in the last couple off-seasons, after being so aggressive, do they just want to give up and have a fire sale at the deadline? I feel like a guy like Stephen Cohen doesn't want to do that in terms of dignity. So I'm very curious to see how all these teams are going to attack the deadline. I think it has to go. I think it has to go with this week. Like right now, the Padres, Padres are going to be playing this week. They're going to be playing Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh has been in a tailspin. Awful. Now what the pot, what Padres and Mets have to go on, not win a series, win a series. They have to go on like a six or seven game winning streak. Mm -hmm. They have to go on a roll. Now, the Pirates have been pretty bad. And if San Diego, who are throwing Snell in their next game, they don't play, they have, they have an off day on Monday. If San Diego could start getting on a roll, then I don't think they'll do any selling. I, I only brought up the Cubs. I don't think the Cubs are a contender. They're a sub-500 team in late July. They should yeah. be thinking about selling. They should be thinking about opening up as much salary space and then start singing overtures to – uh, Shohei Otani over in the off season. Uh, the, the, the Mets are the team that's in the real interesting spot because they're about to play the Yankees. Now the Yankees just finished sweeping Kansas city and the first game was super tight. They got great. Yankees got amazing infield defense on the game on Friday that basically saved the game. Cause if they went from getting swept by losing the series to Colorado, getting swept by the angels and losing game one to Kansas city, Oh my God! It just there would be pitchforks and torches. They held on for dear life on Friday, and then won Saturday pretty easily. 
and then had a late rally on Sunday to finish the sweep. They did what they had to do. We've been trashing the Yankees for losing these games they've done before. You got to at least praise them a little bit for saying they had three games against a team they should have beat and they freaking swept them. And so they did that. Now, have they righted the ship or are the Royals just that bad? Bad. And they're going to, the Mets are going to play the Yankees. They have Verlander going against Herman. Herman, as we know, can be perfect, but most of the time he's not. Verlander has actually pitched pretty well recently. Mm -hmm. This game is critical for the Mets. They have to go on a run. Now, if they go on a five, six game winning streak, suddenly they're hovering back around 500. And the last wildcard team is probably not going to be that much higher than 500 if, if, if you know, recent weeks have been any indication. So for those two big budgeted teams, this is the most critical week of the season because if they lose to the Yankees and the Padres stub their toe, then yeah, trade away Snell and yeah, trade away Scherzer. Yeah, we see teams like we saw this last year, like the Phillies who are really struggling the first half of the season. Then they get rolling the second half. You make the third wild card or the second wild card, and then you're on your way to the World Series. And for this New York Mets team, like if you're Stephen Cohen and this is year one of this fat payroll, you almost tried to get Carlos Correa. Like if this is year one where your payroll's anchored by like these two near 40 guys. I mean, Scherzer's already 40. Justin Verlander's yeah. like 39. If this is year one, like you said, Verlander's been pitching well recently, but this is not the Verlander that we saw last year. Like his strikeout no. numbers are way down. It doesn't seem like he, he looks more like a number two or number three starter right now. Scherzer doesn't even look like that number one guy that we've seen from the last few years. So no. here's Stephen Cohen. This is year one of that payroll, and this is the results you're getting. I feel like you're probably more likely to sell those guys at the deadline if you could maybe just eat a little bit of salary and get a couple pieces back. But like you said, the NL wildcard race, like those teams ahead of the Mets and Padres, they are struggling right now. Like you talked about, you need a six or seven game winning streak from the Padres. Like that's realistic. When you think about your team, like the Miami Marlins who just went on an eight game losing streak. So if a team like the Marlins or the D backs who we felt so good about for the first half of the season, I thought my D backs are rolling. I thought they're going to win the division. Now they've come crashing back to earth. And the team like the Padres, when you got the Machados of the world struggling, you got the Bogarts of the world struggling, the Darvishes, you have so many stars in on your team that you can say, you know what, a good second half from them, and maybe we could still make some noise. Maybe we could get to like 86, 87 wins and make the postseason. And once you get there, anything can happen. But these next two weeks are critical are just absolutely critical. I mean, we're not going to go into the American League right now as well because no, like, no. like the Angels. But the, these next two weeks are just such a big flashpoint for so many teams. Are they going to be sellers at the deadline, or teams are going to stand pat, or are they going to be buyers? I don't know if I've ever approached the deadline two weeks out where I'm like half the league are either going to have a fire sale or they're going to try to pick off pieces from other rosters because so many teams are just like in this no man's land of purgatory where they don't know what's up, what's down, and whether they should go be aggressive or not. And we saw in just the last two years, at this point last year, the Phillies went on a big roll mm -hmm. and eventually they got all the way to the World Series. At this point last year, at last two years ago, Atlanta had a losing record and had, and had lost Acuna for the season. And they made some smart moves, not high-profile moves, and that wound up. They wound up. Both of those teams got all the way to the World Series. Obviously, Atlanta won the whole damn thing in 2021. Uh, do I think, you know, I mean, it's it, it, get in, just get in. But if the Padres and the Mets want to be the next name on that list of NL pennant winners, 
who were out of it at this point, uh, they better start winning right now. Yeah, and with the Mets, I just don't feel good about their future. Like, if they sell off a Scherzer and Verlander, I just don't know where they go from there. At least with the Padres, I still feel like they got this core in place. If they if they get, I don't even know what words you're saying. Oh, I might need to. Ta. Okay, there you me. go. I mean, you, I mean, I mean, I'm sure Stephen Cohen would be ready to just give him a blank check and say whatever you want. He'd be, he'd be salivating in that free agent meeting with uh, Shohei Otani. So if the New York Mets can save some money by selling off a of Verlander or Scherzer, and then you bring Otani, sure, then their future, uh, you know, changes in my eyes. But I think at least for a San Diego Padres team right now, if you do sell off the Snells and the haters of the world, I still feel great with that lineup. I still feel like you'll still have a pretty strong rotation and a core piece is there. For the New York Mets, I don't know how I feel about that team moving forward if they start being sellers at the deadline. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for part two with Sully Baseball, where we discuss some of the inductees of the 2023 Hall of Fame class and look ahead to next year for some guys who might be locks, some guys that could be wild cards. And, of course, we're going to be talking about some D-back stuff as well. So come back tomorrow. More Dimebacks News coverage insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. If you do listen every day, put hashtag every day in the comment section on YouTube. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.